Section five of Three Accounts of Peterloo by F. A. Bruton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Appendices. Appendix A. Some relics of Peterloo. One. A banner carried at Peterloo. At the entrance to the reading room of the Reform Club at Middleton, on the left as you reach the door may be seen one of the banners carried at peterloo by the middleton contingent which was led by samuel bamford it is of green material or so it seemed to me and the letters are stamped on it in gold capitals the motto facing the entrance is liberty and fraternity on the other side of the banner seen from within the room are the words unity and strength the explanatory inscription reads this banner was carried by the Middleton reformers, with Samuel Bamford at their head, to Peterloo, and is frequently mentioned in the historical records of that movement. See illustration opposite. In chapter 33 of Passages in the Life of a Radical, Bamford speaks of, quote, the colours, a blue one of silk, with inscriptions in golden letters, unity and strength, liberty and fraternity, a green one of silk, with golden letters, Parliament's annual, suffrage universal. End quote. Apparently, the banner here figured is the one of which he writes later in chapter 36. Quote, I rejoined my companions, i.e., after Peterloo, and forming about a thousand of them into file, we set off to the sound of fife and drum with our only banner waving, and in that form we re entered the town of Middleton. The banner was exhibited from a window of the Suffield's Arms public house. The banner is now carefully preserved between sheets of glass. The photograph was taken under considerable difficulties as regards light by Mr. R. H. Fletcher of Eccles. The Chadderton banner, though much dilapidated, is also still in existence, but I could not obtain the address of the person in whose keeping it is. She had left Chadderton and was living at Blackpool. 2. Bamford's Cottage Some distance higher up the town may be seen the house where Bamford lived at the date of Peterloo. Over the door is a stone inscribed, Samuel Bamford resided and was arrested in this house, August 26, 1819. Bamford describes the event in detail in Chapter 40 of the work named above beginning quote, about two o'clock on the morning of thursday the twenty sixth of august that is on the tenth morning after the fatal meeting i was awoke by footsteps in the street opposite my residence presently they increased in number etc the photograph is again by mr r h fletcher see illustration in the churchyard above may be seen bamford's tomb and also the monument raised to his memory. 3. Constable's Staves a. In the catalogue of the Old Manchester and Salford Exhibition, held at the Art Gallery in 1904, on page 27, Exhibit 157 appears as, quote, Handcuffs belonging to Joe Nadine, Deputy Constable of Manchester at the time of Peterloo, lent by G. C. Yates, Esquire. On the same page, Exhibit 167 is a quote, special constable's staff used at the time of Peterloo in Manchester 
and then the property of mr beaver end quote, lent by c Sheel, esq this collection is now for the most part dispersed b mr t swindles of monton green in the third volume of his manchester streets and manchester men mentions a special constable's staff given to him by a descendant of james files it is inscribed a relic of peterloo special constable's staff which belonged to the late james and thomas files grocers shude hill manchester c in november nineteen nineteen on the afternoon of the day on which i was to lecture on the story of peterloo at the rylands library mr w w manfield of chalton cum hardy brought me three interesting relics of peterloo which have been in the possession of his family since eighteen nineteen on the occasion of peterloo his father and grandfather saw the crowd streaming through salford after the catastrophe and their curiosity led them to walk out to st peter's fields there they picked up the three relics which have been carefully preserved ever since one of them is a long heavy constable's baton apparently of rosewood with the royal arms painted at the thicker end see illustration opposite four head of flagstaff the second of mr manfield's relics is the head of one of the banner poles carried at peterloo it is shaped like the traditional cap of liberty and inscribed in neat gilt capitals hunt and liberty see illustration five hussar's plume the third of mr manfield's relics is a plume of horsehair apparently originally dyed red though if so much of the dye has faded this it may be presumed was the plume from the helmet of one of the hussars it has been mentioned that the fifteenth hussars wear a scarlet plume these three relics have been photographed on one plate by mr fletcher see illustration opposite to page seventy seven six account book of the relief committee in the year of the centenary mr guppy was fortunate enough to secure for the rylands library the actual account book used by one of the committees formed for the relief of those injured in the fray a single page of this book has been photographed by mr r h fletcher for the present volume see illustration mr guppy's account of the volume bulletin of rylands library april to november nineteen nineteen page one hundred and ninety one is as follows the library has been fortunate in being able to acquire a small octavo account book leather bound which seems to have been an official record of the casualties at peterloo which were dealt with by one of the relief committees it contains details of the names addresses and injuries of three hundred and forty seven individuals particulars of the successive grants made to them by one committee and references to the grants made by another committee possibly two others the details given are corroborative of many of the statements in mr bruton's story of peterloo thus the cases include those of elizabeth gaunt mentioned on pages two hundred and seventy four and two hundred and seventy five of mrs files on page two hundred and seventy four of thomas redford on pages two hundred and eighty five two hundred and ninety one and two hundred and ninety four there are references to the loose timber see pages two hundred and sixty nine two hundred and eighty four and two hundred and ninety four the injuries to special constables see page two hundred and eighty the fight near the friends meeting-house 
see pages 284 and 289 the oak trees growing near that building see pages 269 294 the white hat as a symbol of radicalism see page 273 the fear of losing employment evinced by the wounded see page 291 the infantry intercepting fugitives see page 290 the child killed by a trooper in cooper street see page 277 and so on the sum total voted by this committee appears to have been six hundred and eighty seven pound it must be remembered however that the sum of three thousand pound mentioned on page two hundred and ninety one as having been subscribed may have been used partly for legal expenses since this manuscript account book came to light mr bruton has discovered a printed report of the relief committee in which five hundred and sixty cases are described and the amount raised to date is given as three thousand four hundred and eight pound one shilling and eightpence and pronounced to be inadequate for six hundred people it also gives the amount spent on legal expenses as one thousand and seventy seven pound seven account book recording amounts raised for the relief of special constables and their families i have to thank dr a a mumford for calling my attention to another account book connected with peterloo which i believe he met with while going over the crossley papers at the chetham library its number in the library catalogue is m s b three seventy it is a small notebook ruled for cash and entitled subscriptions for special constables numbers ten and eleven there is a note of a resolution carried on august twenty seventh eighteen nineteen to the effect that a relief fund should be raised on behalf of special constables injured at peterloo and their families the subscriptions recorded in this book range from one pound to ten pound ten shillings and amount in all to about four hundred pound appendix b one note on the casualties at peterloo on few points do the accounts of peterloo vary more than on the question of the casualties there is sufficient historical material available to enable us to investigate this matter in detail but the task would be a gruesome one and no useful object would be attained if it were accomplished on the other hand a few words may serve to show whereabouts the truth lies in the cambridge modern history volume ten pages five hundred and eighty five hundred and eighty one it is stated that a man was killed and forty were injured in the political history of england nineteen o six volume eleven pages one seven eight one seven nine we read that happily the actual loss of life did not exceed five or six but a much larger number were more or less wounded a number of the most important school histories in use at the present time reproduce one or the other of these statements verbatim if we turn to the contemporary records they are somewhat conflicting the hurried estimates given by the local papers immediately after the catastrophe e g one newspaper reported twelve killed had to be corrected later the most general estimate seems to be eleven killed and between five hundred and six hundred wounded when we come to examine these figures in detail however these points emerge one killed is evidently taken to include the cases of those who died after lingering possibly for some weeks two 
the summary includes the casualties due to the firing of the infantry in the neighbourhood of new cross some hours after the great event included in the list also will be the child files knocked from its mother's arms by one of the yeomanry as they were riding to the meeting archibald prentice in his historical sketches and personal recollections of manchester page one six seven states that eleven were killed that four hundred and twenty were wounded and that there still remained according to the relief committee's report one hundred and forty cases to be investigated making a total of five hundred and sixty mr john benjamin smith who very likely refreshed his memory by looking up records when writing his reminiscences gives the same result mr j c hobhouse speaking in the house of commons on may nineteenth eighteen twenty one said that quote, he held in his hand a list of killed and wounded running to twenty-five to thirty sheets and defied them to disprove it end quote. It is clear then that these estimates are quoted from the committee's report, and to this it will be well now to turn. With the kind assistance of Mr. Swan of the Reference Library, I have been able to find one and only one copy of this report. It is bound up with a series of papers catalogued as Lancashire and Yorkshire tracts at the Manchester Reference Library. The reference number is Lancashire and Yorkshire tracts, Barlow's Historical Collector h sixty three three number four brackets one five one zero four it is entitled report of the metropolitan and central committee appointed for the relief of the manchester sufferers with an appendix containing the names of the sufferers and the nature and extent of their injuries also an account of the distribution of funds and other documents published by order of the committee london eighteen twenty this committee seems to have been formed by amalgamating several organisations in the metropolis which sprang into being as a result of public sympathy with the sufferers and it worked in conjunction with the manchester and other lancashire committees the subscriptions recorded to date amount to three thousand four hundred and eight pounds one shilling and eightpence of which one thousand two hundred and six pounds thirteen shillings and eightpence have been distributed two hundred and fifty pound having been received from the local manchester committees the amount expended on law charges and expenses of witnesses is given as one thousand and seventy seven pounds six shillings and ninepence advertisements and sundries cost three hundred and fifty five pound thirteen shillings and sixpence and this leaves a balance of over seven hundred and sixty eight pound which is pronounced inadequate to deal with the cases that remain a fresh appeal is therefore made to the british public a deputation was sent from london to investigate cases and this deputation reports in january eighteen twenty that out of four hundred and twenty sufferers visited and relieved one hundred and thirteen are females the one hundred and thirty received severe sabre cuts fourteen of these being females to be quite safe we must admit the possibility that the term sufferers may sometimes include members of the families of those killed or injured. There follow thirty-eight pages filled with the names of those killed and wounded at Peterloo, some four hundred and thirty in all, with full details of their injuries, and in the case of the former, the description is, quote, killed, or who have subsequently died in consequence of injuries there received, end quote, the number of these being given as eleven. 
of these eleven two were sabred one was sabred and trampled upon one was sabred and stabbed one was sabred and crushed two one of them a woman rode over by the cavalry one trampled by the cavalry one inwardly crushed and one a woman thrown into a cellar in the case of two of these the words are added killed on the spot the child killed in cooper street completes the total one of the relief committees met at mr prentice's warehouse and the care with which the various cases were investigated and successive grants made from the funds of the different committees is clearly shown by the details given in the account book secured by mr guppy in nineteen nineteen for the rylands library which is mentioned above perhaps it will never be possible to say exactly how many were left dead on the field one at any rate who died at once or very shortly afterwards was by a strange irony a special constable and this is probably the quote one man killed of some of the accounts it will be remembered that lieutenant jolliffe reported quote, two women not likely to recover one man in a dying state and two or three reputed dead in the letter quoted above describing his visit to the infirmary on the sunday following the event most of the cases investigated by the committees belong to the side of the reformers but it must not be forgotten that the other side claimed to have serious casualties mr francis phillips for example enumerates the casualties to the troops and an estimate of these is given also in the centenary volume of the cheshire yeomanry we have already seen above moreover that a subscription list was opened for the families of the special constables and that the appeal met with a generous response it is a curious feature of the case that each side seems to be anxious to make its casualty list as imposing as possible an interesting summary of the various estimates is given by macdonnell in his state trials this summary includes the official report from the infirmary and the list of casualties to the troops without pursuing the matter further we may say that a careful examination of the somewhat confusing evidence would seem to show that the estimate quote, eleven killed and between five hundred and six hundred wounded end quote, will not prove to be far wrong provided that one we understand killed to include those who died as the result of injuries received on the field and two we include in the general total the, the casualties incurred during the disturbances some hours later in the neighbourhood of new cross at least one list published subsequently brings the total of killed up to fourteen two points not directly concerned with this discussion are dealt with by the relief committee and are sufficiently interesting to be recorded one the committee paid out seven hundred and ten pound on account of the trial at york the manchester committee voting one hundred pound for the same object end quote. two the deputation sent from london to investigate the cases mentioned in their report some striking details of the conditions of life among the operatives to quote only two sentences in no one instance among the weavers did your deputation see a morsel of animal food and they ascertained that in most families where there were children the taste of meat was unknown from one year to another six shillings a week was the average wage of an able-bodied and industrious weaver many could not get this two presence of women and children at peterloo 
it has often been asserted that the peaceful intentions of the crowd at peterloo are attested by the presence among them of women and young children as every detail of evidence is of value i give here a sentence from a letter which i received from principal reynolds my father was there in his mother's arms though only one year old so my grandmother told me three some gleanings from the scrapbooks it was the custom in the early decades of the nineteenth century when newspapers were dear and newspaper files were not available as there were no free libraries to collect newspaper cuttings and illustrations with tracts and broadsides election squibs and so forth in large scrapbooks thus at the peel park library is preserved the scrapbook of joseph brotherton for many years member for salford running to over forty volumes the greaves scrapbook at the reference library contains a valuable collection of this kind the owen collection at the same library fills over eighty volumes at the chetham library may be seen lord ellesmere's scrapbook and a number of others from many references to peterloo in these books we may select the three items which follow the greaves collection contains a rare print of peterloo somewhat lurid in its detail mr albert nicholson has in his possession a highly coloured copy of this which he has shown me no other copies seem to be known i have to thank mr j j phelps for calling my attention to two papers in a scrapbook at the chetham library which he conjectures to have been that of mr francis phillips the protagonist on behalf of the magistrates and the author of an exposure of the calumnies etc one of these is the actual subpoena which mr phillips received summoning him to give evidence in the trial at york quote, there to testify the truth on our behalf against henry hunt and others for certain misdemeanours whereof they are indicted end quote m s b nine forty one one hundred and ten page forty three the other paper is of some importance as it fixes the date of the embodiment of the manchester yeomanry in the story of peterloo page thirteen some details are given in support of a conjecture that the corps was formed later than march in eighteen seventeen the scrapbook just quoted confirms this conjecture for there appears a printed copy of a letter addressed to the borough reeves and constables of manchester and salford and bearing over a hundred signatures that of mr phillips coming second asking that a meeting may be convened with the object of forming such a corps in response to this appeal the borough reeves and constables summoned a meeting for the purpose in a letter dated manchester june the sixteenth eighteen seventeen m s b nine forty one one hundred and ten page twenty two with this date as a guide it was easy to find in the advertisement columns of wheeler's manchester chronicle for saturday june the twenty first eighteen seventeen a copy of both letters a list of the signatures and the announcement that the proposed meeting was actually held on june the nineteenth eighteen seventeen when it was resolved quote, that under the present circumstances it is expedient to form a body of yeomanry cavalry in the towns and neighbourhood of manchester and salford details follow as to government allowances for uniform etc and as to the possibility of amalgamating with similar corps in the surrounding towns should such be formed each man was to provide his own horse 
this information has an important bearing on the tragedy of peterloo and taken in conjunction with the resolution of the magistrates mentioned in the story of peterloo page thirteen leaves no doubt as to what was the nature of the present circumstances that called the corps into being four explanation of the contemporary plan and picture of peterloo a the contemporary plan of st peter's field which appears on the following page was published in farquharson's verbatim report of the trial in eighteen twenty two as the lettering is small some explanation is necessary the shaded area in the centre represents the open space on which the tragedy was enacted to the south of it is clearly seen the raised ground mentioned by stanley and shown also in his plan the windmill which stood near and gave its name to windmill street had disappeared some years before the site of it is now occupied by the central station approach on the shaded space are marked hustings carriage i e mr hunt's carriage marked also on stanley's plan the double line of constables and the manchester yeomanry drawn up in front of the row of houses in mount street labelled magistrates assembled here the friends meeting house is marked quakers meeting house and the enclosing wall is stated to measure in height three foot seven inches on the inside and ten foot three inches on the outside these measurements would be inserted probably in connection with the statement that one of the cavalry jumped his horse over the wall apparently a gate and post cross mount street in front of the meeting-house and lead into st peter's field across which two dotted lines indicate the projected line of peter street the position of the troops and the line of their approach to the field are shown as follows the thirty-first infantry are drawn up in brazen-nose street the upper end of which is also blocked with a gate and posts the eighty-eighth infantry are lined up in dickinson street in portland street are the manchester yeomanry and their course is shown by a dotted line up portland street along nicholas street down cooper street and then round the corner of cooper's garden wall now the site of the north-western corner of the midland hotel into mount street the plan stating that the manchester yeomanry came this way to the ground another troop of the manchester yeomanry is drawn up in front of st john's church in byram street facing them in the same street are shown the fifteenth hussars in two sections presumably representing the two squadrons mentioned by lieutenant jolliffe in his letter lastly the cheshire yeomanry are drawn up in st john street off deansgate and the line of approach of all these mounted troops is shown by a dotted line passing along byram street st john street southward down deansgate then along fleet street up lower mosley street and along the raised ground already mentioned to st peter's field the inscription on the plan reading the fifteenth hussars one troop of the manchester and cheshire yeomanry came this way to the ground the artillery are not shown the scale of yards given on the plan shows that stanley's estimate of a hundred yards as the distance from mr buxton's house to the hustings was exactly correct b rose contemporary picture of peterloo which is shown on the following page is perhaps the best of a number of sketches extant the details are fairly accurate 
in the background on the extreme left is seen to quote bamford the corner of a garden wall round which the manchester yeomanry in blue and white uniform came trotting sword in hand to the front of a row of new houses the corner is on the site of the north-western corner of the midland hotel the new houses were on the site of the present midland buffet mr ewart's factory in the distance was just off lower mosley street the row of houses to the right of this in the background was on the upper side of windmill street the hustings are on the site of the southeastern corner of the free trade hall standing on them we may distinguish mr hunt and the leader of the manchester female reformers around them are the banners of the various contingents we may even make out the legend no corn laws on the one in front the banner poles are shaped to resemble caps of liberty as shown in another of our illustrations the crowd are occupying the site of the free trade hall the theatre royal the y m c a the gaiety and a number of adjoining buildings the moment seized by the artist for his picture is that in which the manchester yeomanry many of whom are scattered and entangled among the crowd have reached the hustings while in the distance the hussars can just be seen lining up in mount street and charging to their relief the crowd consisting of men women and children are seen dispersing in all directions the view might be imagined to have been taken from the roof of a building which then occupied the site of the present albert hall in peter street other contemporary prints include st peter's church and the friends meeting house in the picture end of three accounts of peterloo by f a bruton